0: About the Christian soldier. That's the kind of theme that's been on my mind. Um, There are some very smart people that are Christians. I mean, very, very smart people that are Christians. There's a man just recently, his name's Josh Timonen, and he was the right hand man of Richard Dawkins for many years. He did all these his audio-visual stuff and he did his website and he's just recently been converted and come to know the Lord and his testimony is online. He's a really, really smart guy and there are some really smart guys and girls who are Christians. I'm not one of them. And so I'm really thankful that the Lord has put in his word truth that's easy for people like me to understand. The fundamentals of the things that we need to grasp as Christians are not hidden in some mysterious uh, mist of, of, uh, of mystery that you have to be specially initiated into to understand. The big things of Christianity are stamped indelibly in the word of God right on the surface, and I'm so thankful for that because that helps people like me try, and help me try to get it right. And so, so just over the last few while I've been thinking about what is a Christian? And um, in Second Timothy, for example, where we started studying on um, on Sunday morning, I was actually tempted tonight to go back to Second Timothy one because I said so very little about the chapter that we were studying. I thought we should go back there tonight. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about the, the Christian soldier because in Second Timothy chapter two, it tells us that every Christian there are pictures to help us understand how a Christian life should be lived and it says every christian is like an athlete that's one of the pictures that it uses it talks about the athlete's crowned when he when he strives lawfully and second timothy 2 talks about this christian being a, a student study to show thyself approved unto god and and you know but reading the word of god and diligently studying it and a, or a craftsman that is careful about what he, he produces and every christian's a, a farmer And, you know, farmers work hard, and it talks about being patient. And there are other places in the Bible where it talks about every Christian being a fisherman. And uh, there's pictures there that we can look at, but we won't. Uh, But the one I want to look at tonight is that every Christian is a soldier. Every Christian is a soldier. And the picture of the Christian being a soldier is in lots of places in the Bible in particular in 2nd Timothy when we get towards the end um, Paul will say I have fought the good fight I have finished the course I have kept the faith and so this idea that every Christian the character of your life a part of being a Christian is to to be involved in in the the battle for right and the battle for good and the battle for God and that's a very common thing If you're as old as me, you'll remember at school, we used to sing hymns in assemblies. And we used to sing things like Onward Christian Soldiers. And there used to be, again, there still is, I think, a a great organisation that was uh, started by William Booth in the 19th century called the Salvation army, and they've taken on the character of a uniformed um, branch, and you've seen them with lieutenants and corporals and bands and all all that sort of thing, and they do a fantastic work, the Salvation Army. So I want to look tonight just at a little more detail about what it is to be a Christian soldier. And I want to just read a few verses from the scripture tonight, folks. I want to read, first of all, in Ephesians, in chapter number 5. And as I was telling folks on um, on Sunday. I'm really a great fan now of the ESV. I'm finding that particular translation of the scriptures particularly helpful for me. I'm going to start reading from Ephesians chapter 5 I've put them up here and verse number 10. I'll read it here and you can read it either in your own Bible or behind behind me. Paul's a great teacher his principle is he teaches theory first and practice next you need to know why you do what you do. I've just had some, um, I've had my first Spanish lesson with we young Daniel this week and Wednesday. And he's a really, really good teacher. He teaches me the foundational principles before he gets me to, to, to talk or doing. And Paul's been doing that. In the first three chapters, he, he talks about really important Christian truths Christian doctrines that we need to hold on to and if we understand the Christian doctrines when it comes to practicing as a Christian we'll know not just what to do we'll know why we're doing it and it's really important not just to do something slavishly but it's important to know why we do it. and so when we get to chapter 6 he's well into this section of talking about how to live as a Christian so it's how to live as a Christian and in verse number 10 he says this finally be strong in the Lord Paul uses the word finally a lot, and you would think that he was nearly finished, but he's not nearly finished, he's still got a lot to say. Actually, finally doesn't mean the last, it sometimes means the last thing he's going to say, but it really means the main point of what I'm saying, that's really what he's saying, because sometimes he says finally, and he's still got three chapters to write, not here, but sometimes he does, and finally is a a word that preachers use to give the, the listeners false hope, to be quite honest with you. But what he's saying is, this is one of the big things. This is where I've really been aiming. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers Against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, so, Paul's saying a Christian soldier is not involved so much in a physical warfare on earth, he's involved in a spiritual warfare. And we're going to see another verse when he talks about what kind of weapons we use. We'll read it in this passage and somewhere else. And he says, Therefore, take up the whole armour of of God, so we have to start thinking about soldiers with armor on, so we're talking about first century Roman type of soldiers. we're not talking about the Ukraine um, army when they're using uh, missiles and, and you know anti-aircraft protection things like that. we're talking about hand-to-hand combat in the kind of Roman soldier type of idea. So he says, "Take on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day." and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith actually with which you can extinguish that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And just one, one other verse in relation to this, a picture of Christian soldiers using armor and weapons to be involved in a spiritual warfare. Here's what Paul will say in Second Corinthians chapter number three. Uh, he saying. For though we walk in the flesh, what he means is we walk as human beings. We're not spiritual beings. We're human, aren't we? We walk in the flesh. We live every day walking and talking and interacting with with life. He says, Though though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word carnal means tangible, physical things that you can touch and see, missiles and, and anti-aircraft guns and aeroplanes and, and tanks. He says, Christians don't fight with weapons that are physical and seen. The weapons of our warfare are, might, are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so as we start to think about this idea of what is a Christian, well, these are the ones that we looked at earlier, but let me, let me just say, that every Christian, when we look in our Bible, is this. Every Christian is an enlisted soldier in the army of God. It's a strange paradox being a Christian because there's part of Christian life that is like conscription. You, you know what conscription is? Conscription in the in, in the in the the Second World War, I wasn't there, but I mean, other wars too, like the Vietnam War and the Korean War and things like that. Initially, those that were involved in the war were volunteers, weren't they? You know, young men used to go and sign up. You know, they used to tell lies about their age just so as they could sign up to fight for their. They were so passionate about the cause and so passionate about the country that they would step up and say, I'm in line. But then as the need became great, what would happen is the government said, we need more soldiers, so what they would send out would be your your papers. They called it your papers. You would get your papers. And people that hadn't volunteered, when they were in a certain age bracket, and I'm out of that age bracket now, he breathes a big highway sigh of relief, if ever it happened again. We pray the Lord it will never happen again, don't we folks? I really mean that by you. But you know, those men that were in a certain age would be waiting for their papers to come. And when their papers would come, they would become... Conscripts into the army. In other words, there was no choice about it. They were enlisted into the army, whether they wanted to or not. And some people absconded and all that sort of thing. Well, when we when we come to the when we come to the, the Bible, we discover this that there's this this sort of paradox of Christian life that we are both volunteers and conscripts. Every Christian is enlisted in the army of God. It's just part of the deal. Because in Colossians it talks about as being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And it talks about the world and its systems being under the domination and the control. That, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. And so the world and its ways have been corrupted by sin, the systems, even the highest echelons of government are polluted now with corruption and evil and that's we say nothing about that in relation to today's news but and what happens when you become a Christian is you're transferred you're moved out of that kingdom of darkness and God delivers you and translates you and says you're mine you're mine you belong to me and just by definition of belonging to the Lord you are set against all the evil that's in the world and so your Christian life daily becomes a battle, doesn't it? It becomes a battle. You end up in your own life fighting against, well, when you become a Christian, the devil doesn't like it. The devil doesn't like it. And so one of the things is the devil is now after you, absolutely sure. You're, you're now in the army of the Lord, and he says, as long as you're with me, I wasn't really too bothered. But now you belong to the Lord, your prime target for me. And so, to be a Christian is a wonderful thing. But sometimes when a person becomes a Christian, there's troubles ahead because the devil doesn't like it. And he would leave you alone if you were living an ungodly life. But because you want to live holy and righteous and godly in Christ Jesus, the devil says, I'm going to do everything to try and stop you. And so you become sometimes... So, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Okay. I talked about the wiles of the, of the devil. And then, the world... The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. The world likes Christians when they're just doing good things, right? But when the Christian starts to speak truth, the truth of God, they're not so keen on the Christian then, right? Okay. When the Christian wants to to feed and house and clothe, all good things, folks, now all good things that Christians should do, I'm not saying we shouldn't, people will will love love them. But when Christians start to talk about eternity, and God, and sin, and Christ, and the need for salvation, they just say, stop preaching us, stop preaching us. And so, once you get engaged in the real business of Christian life, the spiritual things, the world says, now wait a minute, that's it. And they'll do everything they can. And our world really, our country now, is very, very opposed to Christian truth. At the highest level. And the executive, uh, and the judiciary, there's lots of opposition, isn't there? And even... Even religious people oppose Christianity now, don't they? But one of the other battles you have is against yourself, isn't it? You know, there are things you used to do, or we used to do, before we were Christians that we never even thought about. And suddenly, when you're a Christian, you you want to do good, and you don't do it. And you don't want to do evil, and you do it. And you have this kind of battle within yourself every day that was never there before. That's because there's in us still the flesh that will be delivered from, on when the Lord takes us home, don't have time to talk about that. But so, by definition, we just step onto the battlefield. We become conscripts in that sense. But there's another sense when God is saying, particularly in First Timothy, or Second Timothy, and Ephesians, and other places, step up, step up, step up, take your place. Way back in the nineteen seventies, would well, it be seventies? I'm out in the seventies. I wanted to join the RAF. I, I really wanted to fly for the RAF. And I used to go around, They had, they had RAF, Army recruiting places in the high street. In those days, I don't know if do they still have those Army recruiting places. I don't know if they do. But every high street had an Army recruiting store, an RAF recruiting store, and a, and an a, a Navy recruiting store. And in them there was nice well-dressed, clean, uh, clean-cut clean individuals who would put posters in the window. And the posters in the window would be to attract you in to, the, to join the army. And I remember those recruiting, um, re- recruiting um, posters. All of them looked fantastic. They absolutely looked fantastic. Because they were... You know, the army boy, he would be somewhere in, in Norway on his skis really enjoying himself, you know? And the Navy boy, he would be there in Hawaii with some scuba dia, scuba things going down and he see the tropical fish. And the, and the boy in the RAF would be up, up and away in the wild blue yonder. And these, these pictures were, were, were put and you'd be drawn in to think, this is a great lifestyle, wouldn't you? Let, let, let's go in. I don't ever remember seeing in those recruitment posters and in those shops pictures of a bloodied soldier lying in a foxhole. Never saw it. Never saw it. Never saw a a sol- a veteran soldier somewhere in a hospital in a in a wheelchair with, with no legs anymore. Do, do you remember? I don't know if you remember the Falklands War. Remember that man that was that was burned in one of the the, the terrible things. And he, when, you never saw a picture like that. You never saw a picture like that. Because the idea is, is lure them in. Lure them in. God's enlisting in his army is not like that at all. Listen to what he says. 2 Timothy 2. No man warreth, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Here's another one. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And constantly through the Bible, there's these pictures that as Christians we're not just soldiers we're frontline soldiers we've signed up Who, remember, remember the, the, the old um, the old testament passage where Moses is, is speaking to the children of Israel and, and they've all been grumbling and complaining and they've all been saying we're going to go back and, and they all want to just go back to the, 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 the Egypt and Moses goes outside the camp and he says who's on the Lord's side Who's on the Lord's side. And so there's a sense in which we have to step up to the mark as Christians. We have to take our responsibility and say, yes, the Lord has saved us. We'll go to heaven. But we're gonna, we're gonna serve him. We're gonna serve him while we're here. When I was <laughs> when I was a young man, a lot of soul, a lot of old preachers used to say things like this. And as young Christians, we used to say, ah, they always say that. But they were actually they used to say this. They used to say, the Christian life is not a playing field; it's a battlefield. It's a battlefield, and you can make your Christian life a playing field, folks. You can. You can very easily just, you know, just like folks go and see. Um, Newcastle on a Wednesday and a Saturday you can just plug in a couple of spots in the week to make or somebody goes and plays five-a-side football on a Thursday night you can easily just plug that into your week and just make your christianity recreational but if you read your bible right christianity is not recreational christianity is god's call on our life to be servants of him have you ever heard a ct stud C.T. Studd, cricket and pioneer, he's a biography by Norman Grubb, but you could get it on Amazon if you want to do it. C.T. Studd was a man of great wealth and he was a very famous um, uh, England cricket player. He actually played in some of the original Ashes tests, which start tomorrow. Not that I know anything about that, but John told me that earlier on today. Um, and C.T. Studd gave it all up and he gave up his fortune. And he went out to serve the Lord in India, and China, and Africa. He gave it all up. He enlisted. And he got quite... When he went to China and India and, and Africa to serve the Lord and went through the real... saw the real impact that the gospel could make in people's lives when people were serious about living for God. And he got quite jaundiced about the type of recreational Christianity that a lot of Western Christians adopted. The easy life. And he wrote a little book called The Chocolate Soldier. The chocolate soldier. You know that the you know the type of expression they have these days is about as useless as a chocolate fire guard, right? Okay. Well he, he talks about the chocolate soldier. And he's written this little booklet for the called The Chocolate Soldier, which I've got a copy of if you want want to see. I have to say to you, it's not for the faint hearted. Okay, so if, if you have a sensitive disposition and don't like to be challenged don't read the chocolate soldier but you read through the chocolate soldier and he talks about all the sort of fallacies and falsehoods of modern Christianity and, and that we're talking 100 years ago when he wrote it on the last page in the last so that he finishes his, his little booklet it's only about 18 pages and then on the last page he puts this this is what the last page says To your knees, man. And to your Bible. Decide at once. Don't hedge. Time flies. Cease your insulting God. Quit consulting flesh and blood. Stop the lame, cowardly excuses. Enlist in the army of God. Here are your papers. And this is your oath of allegiance. And then there's there's two sort of parts underneath. One that talks about a comfortable life and the other life that talks about dedication to the Lord. And it says this, Scratch out one side and sign the other in the presence of God and the and the recording angel. Mark that this is God's endorsement. And then there's a little section that you can put your name against. And it's, it's, it's to encourage people, you know, to, to really decide. He says this, Henceforth, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I will be a militant, a man or a woman of God, a gambler for Christ, a hero. Sign here. And then he encourages the people who read it to just say, okay, I'm on board here. I'm, I'm a, a real volunteer in the army of the Lord. Sorry? <laughs> Good for you, Stephen. But can you see what I'm saying, folks? This is not an option for us as Christians. By definition we've been placed into that army of the Lord. We've been recruited and we've been enlisted and we need to take our responsibility. We need to step up. We need to step up. One of the other things we are is an emancipated soldier. We're set free to be in the Lord's army. I've already told you that um, I love to fly, uh, and people know that I love to fly. But um, in World War Two, there was the Battle of Britain between July and October, 1940, and it was a very, very crucial time in 19 in the part in the war. And that part of the war, the Battle of Britain, was won in the air, particularly in the south of England. L- listen to what this is true. In October, to July to October 1940, the highest scoring RAF squadrons, so that's the, the RAF squadrons, Spitfires and Hurricanes, that had the most success in, against the enemy, were number 303 fighter squadron. And that was one of 16 Polish squadrons in the, in the Royal Air Force. And during the Second World War, this Polish fighter squadron was one of the highest scoring squadron, RAF squadrons in the battle oh, Why was that, folks? Because you know what was Polish soldiers and airmen were? They were freedom fighters. Why? They weren't just fighting for freedom. They were fighting because they had escaped the tyranny of the enemy and they were fighting for the freedom of others. They were fighting for the freedom of of the others they knew what it was to be under the heel of the Nazis in in Poland because you know that Poland was the first uh, place to be invaded and they had been overrun and they had escaped and rather than just escaping and sitting down and going, phew we're safe they thought, right our fellow people are still under the heel of the enemy, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to take up cudgels against the enemy. And they fought not just because they wanted freedom, they fought because they were free. Listen to this. Romans 6. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart the form of teaching which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. You see what happens? God sets you free to serve him. We are not just enlisted soldiers. We know freedom, don't we? We remember what it was like to be under the heel and the oppression of the enemy. And we know what it is to be free from the burden of our sin. We know what it is to be free from the knowledge of of certain judgment. And we look at other people and we think, we want you to share that as well. We want you to share that as well. We know what life really is. We know why we're here. We know where we're going. We know where we came from. And there's nothing more liberating than knowing that you've been set free to be what God intended you to be. I was talking to a guy on B Wing just on Tuesday, I came through, D-Wing actually, and this guy, he's he's a great guy, I I love him, but he's very, very opposed to Christian things, and he always tries to rub something in my face when I see him, I I love the boy, but he he really, and, and we were talking about something, and he started to sing a pop song, I was born to make mistakes, I was born to make mistakes, I was born to make mistakes, and there are so many people I know who excuse themselves by saying, we were born that way, we were born to make mistakes, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says we're born to glorify God. And when, before we're saved, we're held as servants of sins and we were not free to do what God intended to. But when God frees us from our sin, we become servants of righteousness and servants unto holiness. In 1863, there was a declaration of emancipation in the, in the United States. In 1863, uh, Abraham Lincoln declared all slaves were free. I think it was October or maybe December. I don't remember the exact date. But it was a day when the Declaration of Emancipation was passed in 1863 and every single slave in the United States was declared free. But you know, many of them kept kept as slaves for years and years. Do you know why? Because they didn't realise. They didn't realise. They had no understanding that, that president had set them free and when the the old master shouted at them because they were ignorant of the freedom that they were in they just kept serving and serving and serving even though they had been set free and the lord says listen you've been set free but you've not been set free to serve yourself we've been set free to glorify the lord and we're freedom fighters folks As Christian soldiers, we're freedom fighters. We fight not just because we're free, we fight for others' freedom. And so we talk about the armour of God, we'll talk about it another time. The breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the the preparation of the gospel of of peace. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord representing Christ to others so that others might join us and be free. There's other things we could think about. We're equipped soldiers, we're entangled soldiers, we should be effective soldiers. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But I, I Actually, I can't remember. I have a, I have a time to just play a, a song for you. Would that be okay? I heard this a long time ago. Now, I have to say to you, this is a warning. This is my type of music, Sarah, okay? So I know what she's going to say as soon as she hears it. She's gonna moan the face. gonna the face off me afterwards. It's actually a bluegrass type of song. you uh, if you wouldn't even know what bluegrass music was, but, but bluegrass music is good. It's because I it's called I'm a soldier bound for glory. And it's about the Christian being a soldier. It's quite slow and it's oh I bet you We'll hear this song and then we'll and then we'll pray and have a cup of tea. <laughs> banjos so it's definitely bluegrass If you didn't like the style, I hope you liked the sentiment, folks. It's part of the stuff that I listen to a lot when I'm I'm on my own. But You see, I'll tell you what induced me on this glorious fight to start. It was the Saviour's loving kindness overcame and won my heart. We serve him because we love him. We enlist in the army because we love him. And we trust we'll enlist, we'll stand up and stand up for Jesus. Let's just pray. Lord we remember as we close our little meeting of that great battle on Calvary when our Lord Jesus overcame The great victory that he won by his death and resurrection death and hell and the enemy Satan defeated forever he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel he has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life what a wonderful saviour a wonderful victor our Lord Jesus is overcome for us and we seek Lord by thy grace to step into the place that thou hast given us to be to be on thy side to be thy ambassadors thy representatives to those that will seek to win others for the Lord and we pray that we might be enthused and blessed as we read thy word so thank you Lord for telling us these things and we pray that they might be real to our heart. We just give thanks for our time and give thanks for this little refreshment in the Lord's name. Amen. Preacher's privilege to get to place a song that he likes.